Welcome to A Wild New Work, a podcast about how to take wise, soul-centered action in your work life, all based on the wisdom of nature. I'm Megan Leatherman, a mother to two small children, a coach, writer, and amateur ecologist living in the Pacific Northwest, and I'm your host today. Hi, friends, and welcome back. I'm really delighted and looking forward to sharing with you today. It's the autumn season here in Portland where I live and everyone I talk to here is just feeling so refreshed and grateful for the cooler temperatures, the vibrant colors on the trees, and just the shift into this different state of being after a really long, hot, and dry summer. So I'm sharing in that gratitude and just really uh, sinking in and settling into this seasonal shift. And for me, you know, I think if many people are feeling very refreshed this autumn, but I'm also noticing that there is a new level awareness of awareness around fatigue and the capacity issues that are coming up for many of us as we enter into yet another season in the midst of a, a COVID pandemic and global shifts. I'm noticing that myself and many other people are feeling a desire for more than what we may have been satisfied with before the pandemic or even early on in the pandemic. I'm hearing over and over again this desire to really savor the days, to savor the seasonal shifts, to slow down, to feel more spacious, to have more space in our day-to-day lives. And this is all wonderful awareness to cultivate, but it can also be really scary because it is scary to acknowledge that what we need now might be more than what is currently on offer either by our culture or by the work that we do, or even by ourselves, it's unsettling. And we often don't know what to do with this yearning for more, this need to move out of the way we've been doing things or to try something new or to go on a bigger adventure or to go deeper. That yearning is uncomfortable. And we usually try to talk ourselves out of having it, which is, uh, might work for a little bit, but often doesn't stay with us. So today I want to support you in going deeper with that yearning for more, because there is something very important within it and beyond it. But before we dive in, I want to start with our opening invocation. So wherever you are settling in and getting comfortable, taking a conscious breath and just noticing how your body is doing today. May each of us be blessed and emboldened to do the work we're meant to do on this planet. May our work honor our ancestors, known and unknown, and may it be in harmony with all creatures we share this earth with. I express gratitude for all of the technologies and gifts that have made this possible, and I'm grateful to the Cowlitz and Clackamas tribes, among many others, who are the original stewards of the land that I'm on. I want to start today by sharing my understanding of autumn in the natural cycle of the year and overlaying that with Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. And I'll share more about why I'm mapping these two together in a minute, but I'll start with autumn. So in terms of the sort of Northern hemisphere and how we work with autumn here, how I understand it is that it's a really beautiful poignant period of cutting away. 
the deciduous trees here are literally undergoing a process called abscission where their branches and leaves where they meet there are chemical compositions and recompositions happening that allow the tree to cut away its leaves so that it can survive through the winter. It's a period of releasing the fertility and vibrance of the, the spring and summer seasons. It's a period of dissolution, right? There's increased rain washing things away. It can be a period of disorientation, the days are much shorter now, there is greater darkness, and things look different in the darkness. So what grew and made sense in the spring and summer are no longer as relevant here. We need different tools, we need different foods, different practices, a different understanding now. And the cycles of the seasons can be mirrored by or laid over the cycle of story what Joseph Campbell has dubbed the hero's journey. So I want to offer a very pared down summary of this and tie it in with the seasons. So in my understanding of it, we begin in the summer season, which is part of what Joseph Campbell calls the ordinary world. It's when we're going about our business as usual. And we've noticed that in the late summer season, the winds begin to shift. Maybe we start to notice that the light is different. It's sort of that late August, early September time. And for the protagonist in a myth, they begin to hear the call at this point. So we hear the call in this late summer season. We know that something needs to shift. And in a myth, this is often a literal call being compelled by the gods to go on a journey in some way, meeting some challenge, someone coming and asking for help. And for us in day-to-day -day life, it's often a quieter call, but it's it shows up as sort of a nagging sense that we are ready for a shift of some kind. We're ready to leave our old and familiar places. We're ready to step into what's not totally known or what can't be predicted. We recognize and may be grateful for the productivity of the spring and the summer season, the growth that has happened, but we know that something else awaits. And so if we answer that call, if we say yes, if in this mythical world the protagonist says yes, then we enter into what's called the special world. We cross the threshold of the autumn equinox in late September and we step into the autumn season. We begin the underworld journey. And in this time, we face many trials and challenges. We wrestle with what is scary, what we don't want to see. We surrender to the darkness, to what we don't know. And in many myths, the protagonist will actually die in this stage, just like so much of the plant life dies away in this time of year. For us, it's not usually so dramatic, but there is certainly still death present here. The death of identities that we used to hold, the dying away of passion or care for work that we just don't care about anymore. It may also be the loss of our capacity to work in the ways that we did before COVID, a recognition that we simply cannot continue as if nothing has changed, as if we don't need more than what modern work can offer us. And no matter what, in the cycles of the deciduous trees and in the hero or heroine's journey, there is loss here in this stage. And the loss is a necessary part of the cycle because it allows for a reintegration and rebirth. 
And so as we shift out of autumn and into winter, we remain in the special world and we enter the period when the protagonist is reborn in some way. There is a coming together of disparate parts, a new awareness or way of being is alchemized. It is the recomposition of the soil underway. It is the mysterious weaving together of new feelings and insights that we never could have predicted back in the bright days of summer. It's the time when we notice the return of the light, the winter solstice, the light is growing, and we begin to honor the final tasks that we need to undertake in order to say yes to our return to the ordinary world in the coming spring. And so as we cross into the spring season with the equinox in late March, we return to the ordinary world. But we don't return only for ourselves. We move through the world in a new way with new awareness because of the underworld journey that we just went through. And we can return, hopefully, with a profound sense of our own strength and the support available to us from all around. The return that comes after a proper underworld journey is one that enables us to offer healing to our community, not just to ourselves. The protagonist returns with some gift for the land, for the people. They take their rightful place in the community. They share what they have learned with everyone there. And so here we are in the autumn season, the gateway into the underworld. And having hopefully answered the call that we heard in the late summer and crossed the threshold over the autumn equinox, we find ourselves in a place called the special world where it is wet, it's dark, it's disorienting, but necessary. And again, we don't have to like the call or like the fact that we are here. Many of us reject the calls when we hear them, clamoring to stay in the familiar summer season where everything is known. You know, even if it's dry, hot, and becoming barren, at least it's familiar, right? At least we can see what's growing. We can predict, you know, that this plant is going to bear another pepper in a couple of weeks, whatever it is. And in fact, in most stories, the protagonist does reject the call multiple times, resisting the demands or the invitations into the underworld. But if we say yes to this season, if we say yes to this yearning that we might have for a deeper existence or for greater wisdom or for more spaciousness and rest, then not only do we align with the natural cycles of the season, but we also say yes to our own death, reintegration, and rebirth. Many of us are taught to believe that we can live in the ordinary world forever. And in Joseph Campbell's concept of the ordinary world, which I'm mapping on to the spring and summer seasons in my own framework, in this world, life is colorful, it's productive, it's active. It may not be easy. Of course, there's work to be done and growth is happening, but there is at least a clarity that comes with these long days with the light. It is a necessary, wonderful, simple, and life-giving half of the entire cycle and yet we cannot stay here forever. Without these descents into the autumn and the winter, into the special world, our lives can become woefully barren. We may be productive on top or in, during the day, but our yields will start to become less robust, less hardy. It takes more effort to bear fruit. We notice that 
we feel our soil weakening, our fertility diminishing. When we're in the ordinary world of work, we may have a full, active, professional life, and we may love a lot of it. There may not be anything, quote-unquote, wrong on the surface. For others, when we're in the ordinary world, we may find ourselves beyond burnt out, parched under the intense heat and excessive sunlight. We might move through this ordinary world feeling like this is all that we can have or all that we should expect, that this is all that there is. That if we have steady work, a paycheck that can support us, some recognition here and there, that that should be enough. But even if it seems like enough, or even if we feel like it should be enough, we will still get the call to descend into the underworld. It may not be every year. It may not be on a timeline that we expect or that is shared by other people, but we will get these calls. Your soul is not satisfied with the neon, empty, strip mall culture that we swim in here in the United States. Your soul is not going to sit by and allow you to languish under the heat of a flooded inbox and a flooded nervous system. Your soul wants to say yes to the special world, to your own magical death and rebirth. Some of these underworld journeys are minor. We move through life, death, rebirth cycles all the time. It could be committing to a new habit or giving something away. It could be moving homes or changing jobs without much tumultuousness. If you're someone who has a uterus and bleeds, you move through these life, death, and rebirth cycles every month. And yet some underworld journeys are unforgettable. We all have them. It may be that we give birth to something or to a person and we die to our former life as a maiden, or we are plunged into the underworld by an injury or profound loss. There are times when we choose to step into the underworld and there are times when the choice was made for us. And I'm not saying that it is a pleasant or easy process, but I do believe that it is an inevitable part of being human. And to resist it is to waste a lot of energy and to add on pain that may not always be necessary or helpful. It can cause a lot of pain to pretend that it's summer when we're actually moving through the winter. It can cause a lot of unnecessary hardship to pretend like it's spring when we know that in our soul we're in the fall season entering into this underworld. So if you're noticing that what used to make sense or what should make sense no longer does, if you're noticing that what used to work for you in terms of your professional or creative life is no longer working, then you are being invited into an underworld journey. And I want to share a dream that I had a few weeks ago to help illuminate some of this and highlight ways that I think we can work with these journeys with crossing this threshold in a helpful way. But for this dream to make sense, I need to share a little bit of context um, so that you, so that it's helpful. Um, so in this dream, I had a vision of a natal chart, and I want to explain what that is so that it's really clear. A natal chart is used in astrology. It is you can imagine a circle split into 12 triangles, like a pie, and they go counterclockwise. So these are the 12 houses of astrology, and they're each ruled by a zodiac sign. So when you're born, there was a zodiac sign on the horizon, and that sign that was on the horizon rules your first 
house. That's where the that's where the natal chart begins. So when I was born, on the horizon was the sign of Cancer. So that means that my first house in my natal chart is ruled by Cancer. My second house is ruled by Leo. My third house by Virgo. On and on until you get to twelve, and the circle is completed. And there's synchronicity here with our seasonal and heroic cycles. We're still, we're talking about cycles, a circular, non-linear way of moving and understanding the world. And not only that, but in astrology, the first six houses, which start, you know, count and run counterclockwise, the first six houses underneath at the bottom of the circle exist in the special world. They rule our internal lives and our underworld descent. And the second six houses on top are in the ordinary world where we understand how we relate to one another with the external realities that we find ourselves in. So within each of these houses, if you look at a natal chart, lie the planets. A natal chart is a map of where each planet was at the moment that you were born. So since the sun was in the sign of Virgo on the day that I was born, my sun, the sun in my natal chart is in my third house. And everyone's natal chart is different, and they're very complex. But my understanding is essentially that the placement of the planets when you were born, your natal chart, is like a map of your personality and your life's purpose, your gifts, your challenges, your potential opportunities, the ways that you're being invited to grow. It's one way to understand yourself and the work that you have to do in this lifetime. And the nadir of the natal chart, or the lowest point of it, is our third and fourth houses, which connect us to our ancestry and are sort of like where we were connected to the umbilical cord of the past. So I want you to have that image of the natal chart in your mind. Uh, You can imagine a circle divided into 12 pieces with planets interspersed around. So I had this dream a couple weeks ago and I found myself in a pub in my hometown with a friend of mine who is in astrology. And we were talking about how just wild and overwhelming and really mythological these times that we're in are feeling right now. And I said, what do you think is going on? You know, looking for some sort of astrological answer. And she said, I think it's the sturgeon. And as soon as she said that, this image came to me of my natal chart in front of me And out of nowhere, a huge sturgeon swam up through my third and fourth houses, turned right to curve up through the entire chart, going counterclockwise, pushing all of the planets in its path out of the way, causing total disorder. And as I was watching this happen, I could feel in my body the death and chaos and disorientation that was taking place as this huge ancient fish swam through the map of myself and the scenes of chaos continued throughout the dream. The next scene was finding myself in a world of darkness, finding myself stranded, trying to get to safety. And I share this dream because I believe that it was a reminder that many of us are undergoing deep, tremendous shifts right now, which may not always be conscious. Dreams are a way for us to understand and speak the language of the underworld, which is not the crisp boilerplate language that we so often use in the ordinary world. And I also share this because of what the sturgeon symbolizes. 
The sturgeon is often called a living fossil because it evolved nearly 200 million years ago and it has hardly changed since then. It is so well adapted to its environment that it has not really needed to evolve. And these fish, which can be very, very large, they live in salt water, usually in North America or near Russia, but they travel to fresh water to spawn. And they take a long time to reach maturity and to reproduce. They grow slowly, which means that despite their incredible resilience, they are now at risk of extinction because of the pressures that an industrial world places on their habitats. So they are big, they're slow, and they're subtle. They use their sensitive whiskers to search for and find food. They often live in the deep, in the bottom of the water. The fact that what came to upend my natal chart in this dream was an ancient creature who has survived beyond anything that we can really comprehend signifies to me that what is underway right now is a primitive or original process and that what we need to hold on to right now is wisdom that precedes a civilized culture, that precedes a culture that separates itself from the rhythms and wisdom of the natural world. So you are not alone if you are ready for a life beyond capitalism and civilized culture. You are not alone if you're ready for a life beyond the worship of productivity and homogeneity and consumerism. I really, really encourage you, I implore you to honor that wanting, to not ignore that yearning, that desire for something more. That wanting is you. That is calling you into the underworld. And the tools that you'll need while you're there aren't the same tools that you use in the ordinary world. You can't send your soul an email. <laughs> your intuition doesn't give a shit about your to-do list if it has something important to say. You can't order a dream with Amazon Prime. I wish we could. I've, I've wanted that many times. Our task now as we honor our desire for true change, for underworld growth, is to surrender to it and use other tools as gateways into our own death and rebirth. This isn't a quick process. This isn't something that, again, can be ordered or tailor-made or demanded, you know, whenever we want it. This happens on its own timeline. But the autumn season can be an invitation into that. It can help you understand what's going on inside of you and be like a guide as you step into your own transformative process. And I want to offer two anchors that you can use during this season to really honor and amplify and surrender to your underworld journey. The first one is spaciousness. In stories, the protagonist is almost never in the ordinary world and the special world at once, right? There's a, a journey there, like they leave the, un, the ordinary world. They leave what's familiar. They leave behind their home, their family, what they grew up with. But in real life, we straddle both worlds. We may have a profound dream in the night and then we lead a webinar in the daytime. We may know that we need to surrender to our own underworld journey but feel like we don't have the space to do so. Or we may have been in an underworld journey for months now and are navigating how we continue to leave the ordinary world behind and surrender to whatever wants to emerge next. But in order to honor the transformations that are available to you in this season, you will need space. 
you will need time to hear yourself. You will need time to notice the signs that you're getting to receive the help that you need. You will need the external world to get quieter so that you can hear the whispers of your body, your dreams, your soul, your spirit, whatever works for you, whatever resonates there. Many of us are completely overextended. We are really resisting the need to re-examine our capacity and understand what we can actually do each day. Many of us are still living as if the pandemic has not happened or as if it's inappropriate to need greater rest or recalibration or restoration. And resisting that is a risk to our health, and it's also an act of living in a false reality. We might not be able to lessen how much we work each day or really help the fact that we support children or elders or other loved ones in our lives, but I do encourage you to get real about what you truly have the capacity for right now. Not what you should have the capacity for, not what you did have the capacity for, not what your friend has the capacity for, but what you have capacity for right now here in this present moment. And not just what you can do if you just continue to grit your teeth and get through, but what you need to do in order to protect your health and say yes to the underworld this autumn and winter. So spaciousness, that's where I would begin. With enough space, intentional space, with quiet, you will be able to understand what needs to shift in your life. I know that. I have seen it time and time again. And it may not clarify right away. It may be deeply uncomfortable. It may be disorienting. But I know that with the right kind of space, which doesn't have to be a lot, but it it will require paring down probably if you're like most of us. And it will require some intentional quiet time to yourself. With that, I know you have what it takes to undertake the, ta- the challenges and really surrender to what this time calls for, what this underworld journey is asking of you. So spaciousness. The second one is darkness. One of the greatest allies that we have right now is the growing nighttime. Darkness has so many benefits, literally. I mean, it supports our circadian rhythm and offers us greater rest to have deep dreams and as a result, experience less anxiety. We're able to witness the stars. The darkness gives the plants the rest that they need. But darkness is an enemy of capitalism and industry. We are taught to loathe the darkness, to beat it back with electric lights. And so as a result, we are tired Collectively and individually, we are getting lower quality sleep. We're not dreaming the way that our ancestors would. And so this autumn and winter, I encourage you to really embrace the darkness in your life, literally and figuratively. I encourage you to actually turn your lights off earlier at night, to live closer to the way that your ancestors or even the ancient sturgeons would in rhythm with the day's true beginning and end. And I'll be guiding people through this practice in November, and I'll share more more about how to do that and join us in a moment. But I encourage you to also embrace the darkness figuratively, to really surrender to the fact that you are being asked to know less right now. Disorientation and chaos are where things begin in many myths, and it is a sign that new life is underway. And it's okay if you feel afraid of this. It can be so unsettling to know that 
your current life just isn't enough for you anymore. But it doesn't have to mean that everything needs to blow up or that you will never piece things together again or that everything has to fall away. But some things will. And see if you can say yes to the darkness a little bit at a time, stepping deeper and deeper into your own underworld, your own special world. So darkness, really moving through the world in a different way, honoring rhythms, mystery, the unknown, amplifying your dream life, noticing what comes through your psyche in that nighttime, releasing the need to know it all and to be in the light and really embracing this time of year. And what I hope awaits you on the other side of this autumn and this underworld journey, however long yours lasts, is a renewed sense of vitality and connection to your own soul and the way that it wants to evolve. I hope that surrendering to death, to dissolution, to reintegration this coming autumn and winter means that you will have new medicine to offer yourself and to your community in the coming spring new insights, a fresh way of being in the world, new life-giving work. And I can't promise anything, but I do encourage you to rally your mentors and your helpers along the way. No heroine goes into the underworld or comes out of it on her own. There are always helpers and allies supporting her through that journey. So if you are open to walking this path to saying yes to something more mysterious this autumn to really embracing the darkness, then I want to make sure you know that I'm offering a four-week darkness practice in the month of November. It's called Needing More, a four-week pilgrimage into darkness, and it will guide you through an intentional journey of living by candlelight once a week, and it will support you in making space for your soul's wisdom to come through. So if you sense that you are in or about to enter an underworld journey, or if you are hungry for more rest, space, and soul in your day-to-day life, I strongly encourage you to check it out. You can see what it's all about at awildnewwork.com or at the link in the show notes. Thank you so much for sharing this space with me today. I'm right alongside you walking into this underworld, noticing what this mysterious season has to offer us. And I'm so honored to be um, in this journey with you. I'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode. Take really good care until then. And I'll see you on the other side.